1: Hello, all you lovely ladies and gentlemen out there! Welcome back to episode 86 of the Laravel News podcast. We are going to have a short week this week. Actually, we only have nine items on the list, and I think two of them are Laravel releases that happen to come out every Tuesday. What you got that you're uh, drinking down there, Mister Durinda? Looks like some OJ. a uh, 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 protein. Built
0: protein, protein. Shake. No, mm. no no it's, a, it's an orange shaker it's a rocky road flavored protein shake mm, gotta get that recovery but uh well protein shake and chicken and veg for lunch and then protein shake after the after the weight session that i'll do tonight
1: you're so healthy gotta get those I'm, I'm gotta definitely get those not rock hard glutes right yeah, Buns it's Osteel. definitely
0: not me at all. It's definitely not me at all. I was <laughs> I was finishing up my last set of leg press on Friday whilst ordering
1: McDonald's on the app to pick up on the way back to the office. That's a boy. That's a boy. There you go, <laughs> dude. I feel like it's been leg day every time I go to the gym. Like so every single time. The last three times I've gone, it's been like yep, leg day. Like what? How do you do leg day this often? Yeah, I don't know.
0: That's, well, that's kind of my life at the moment because of all the rehab. So yeah. I'm I'm in the gym six days a week. Three of those days, I'm doing legs. Two of those, one of those days is chest, one shoulders, and one is a dedicated cardio. And then last week, I started going and doing my weight session at lunch. And then on the way home, going to the gym again and then doing cardio for 30, 40 minutes or so.
1: Dang, dude, you're going to like, you know, we should have a foot race when you come to New York City.
0: I mean, I definitely won't be racing. Oh, yeah, because the
1: knee. I've only just...
0: So, my physio cleared me. I went on Tuesday and got some shots up because we are right next to the basketball stadium that I used to play at Mm -hmm. uh, where where my office is. So, me and one of the guys that I used to play with, we would... Well, we're going to go every Tuesday down there and just get some shots up. So, my shooting percentage is not great, but then it never really was. So, we played five by five at the three-point line and I went seven of 25. So... Not great. What's five
1: by five? Is that but like ha- five positions, five balls so a each spot?
0: Yeah, five five shots in five positions around the three point line. So yeah, it was not good. But it was better than I thought it would be, considering yeah. I haven't touched the touched the basketball since September of last year. So I've never been much
1: of a three point shooter. No.
0: And I kept on overshooting, like kept going over the over the ring, so I had to step back, step back. That's funny. <laughs> and I was shooting at the logo and I was hitting the ring, so compensation so yeah no we, we do that we're gonna do that on tuesdays but i went and saw my physio last week and he cleared me to start doing a bit of impact you know start running on grass and i've started doing some front box jumps and lateral side hops and things like that just to start getting the stability back
1: into the into the
0: leg now that the strength is there so next
1: getting thing, closer and next thing you know, you're gonna be starting a podcast about your new um your new uh, health training business that you're running yeah yeah <laughs> Well, you guys, everybody who's listening, you got all that for free. That's a little insight into the hashtag real life of uh, Mr. Yeah. Dorinda's recovery. That's, uh, I do not envy that. Oh, here, here, you ready for my quick little story? Go on. was, Tell po- us. was power washing my uh, concrete patio today and I was going to go get the 2000 PSI pressure washer because I'm like, oh yeah, that should be good enough, right? And, um, the guy at the place convinced me I needed a 3000 PSI pressure washer at the rental place, by the way. Right. So this is like a commercial grade, like is like, you know, one of the big boys takes took two Mm -hmm. people to load. He's like, you're going to have somebody help you unload this. I was like, yeah, yeah, I I actually didn't. I had two, two by fours. I put it out at the back of my minivan and slid it down a ramp, you know, but like made it work. So I'm, I'm back there. Power washing my, my patio It's going awesome. Just ripping this. Like it's. The concrete looks so good, but not paying yeah. attention or doing it without shoes on. And that wand, the power washer wand, goes mm, right over the front mm, of my foot. Mm, oh my gosh. Ripped yeah. a chunk of skin right off my foot. <laughs> just gone. Just like before I could even I like go you, of the trigger, just gone. I bet you hopped around a bit when that happened. Oh, I did. Yep, yep, yep. I did. Mm. Threw a couple things and then Son I was- Son of a uh, biscuit. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And then I was back at it. So um, speaking of power washers- we have this brand new package by uh (laughs) i wasn't even gonna try segue right into the first topic okay so here's here's kind of the layout for the day right we literally have two um items that are laravel updates and then i think the rest of them are all packages so we have Mm -hmm. a new package from spasi for sending and receiving webhooks we have a factory helper command by marcel we have a Laravel blade helper, Eloquent UUID, composite validation rules, an assertion library, and then Laravel redirects. These are all little packages, all of them. So, why don't we hit the updates first, and then we'll hit the packages. How's that sound?
0: All right. Let's do it. All
1: right. What happened in 5.8.24? Yep. You
0: take it. Go for it, my friend. Uh, so, this came out on the 20th of 20th? 19th of June with new test response features and other miscellaneous quality of life improvements. My favourite kind of improvements. First off, the assert session has a method, has the capability of asserting a session contains a piece of data using a closure while sessions are generally only, will generally only contain simple values. There is use cases for using an assertion where you want to call I don't know, why would you do that? You could well, do assert true or you could do assert session ha- Oh, so before you would have to do yeah, you can do it as a closure, whereas before you'd have to um, do an assertion on the session and then assert true. Whereas now you can do uh, as the first parameter to assert session has is authenticatable to make sure that authenticatable is in your session. And then as the second parameter, pass it a closure, which takes the value by the looks of things uh, or passes in the value of the assert session has. And then you can do a user is authenticatable. So. Obviously, that's going to make more sense when you look at it, but it looks like a handy little quality of life inclusion in there. Next, we've got a new assert unauthorized method, which was added to the test response class, which is a convenience to assert a 401 status. So, I swear, every instead time, of
1: having to do... Every time we have one of these, I'm always like, I swear that was in there before at one point. Like, I, no. like I'm like i looking at assert unauthorized. I'm like, wasn't that in there? Wasn't that in there at one point? No. Maybe it was. I don't know. Apparently not. Apparently, Apparently not.
0: not. So, now, instead of having to do an assert status 401, and then you've got these magic numbers around, or you have to pull in the you know, response and do a response colon colon HTTP status unauthorized, you can just response assert unauthorized, which is nice and easy. And next, the server port can be defined via the server underscore port environment variable for the artisan serve command. So if you are using php artisan serve for your development needs, and if you wanted to run two applications side by side, you'd have to specify the ports to run each on. Previously, you'd have to run php artisan serve dash dash port equals and then the port number. Whereas now you could put that right into your environment variable, you don't have to remember. Um, you could bake that in for the same, you know, for your project. You put it in your example file and things like that. So instead of doing php artisan serve dash dash port, you can just run php artisan serve and it will read the port value out of your e- out of the env file or out of your environment directly. So that's handy as well. We've also got an optional when parameter added to the retry helper, which allows a callback to dictate retries. If you've if you've not come across retry if you've ever been in a situation where you're making external HTTP calls, for example, and you're expecting maybe that will time out from time to time and you get an exception, with with the retry helper, you can say retry. And then the first parameter, you say the number of times to try. And the second parameter is the function to call based on the number of attempts. And then the third parameter, you would say how long to wait between retries. So if you had to back off in a, in a HTTP request, if you wanted to try like waiting 30 seconds, um, rather, you know, and instead of doing a queue job, for example, you could do it as, as a single process this way. So with the optional when parameter, you can get it to execute only under a certain condition. Like so, the, the retry would only happen under a certain condition. So that's a, a helpful thing that you can you do there. And lastly, a nice quality of life improvement we have is when using the Artisan console with the ENV flag, previously the flag is only passed with an equal sign. So you'd have to do dash dash ENV equals and then the name of the environment. Whereas now you can do dash dash ENV and then a space, which is probably a more natural thing to do. I would imagine like I'm always never sure. I'm always never sure. I'm never sure if I need to have that equal sign there or not. So I always put the equal sign in. Yeah, same. But having dash dash and space and then whatever or dash dash whatever is always more uh, fluid, I think. Because it's easier to hit the space bar than it is to find the friggin' equal sign on the keyboard. That's very true true story
1: hey you were talking Sorry. about you were talking about magic strings no. a little bit yeah so you're saying like instead of having to say like assert 401 or whatever now that's a pretty common thing right like 401 yeah. so like maybe not in that case but i'm curious do you and so like when we say magic strings maybe you could explain what you mean by that
0: so a magic string is anywhere in your application where you would have some word or some you know, series of words, a sentence, if you will, that has some meaning within your application. But if there's a chance that that string could change in value at some point, you don't want to have to go and find all the references to that string. For example, you might have a role in your application and the role is called admin. And, you know, you've got all these checks for admin all across your application. But if you, for some reason, decide you want to change admin to magistrate, or minister, or something else. You need to go and find all those references to admin and change it to whatever that new value is. By And so that's why we call it a magic string, is it's just it has some meaning to your application, but it's kind of just hard-coded all over the place. So a good practice it, it, for a user, you might define a constant on the user, and then you can say user colon colon role underscore admin. And that way, it doesn't matter if the value of that is... You know, admin or magistrate or minister or wizard or whatever, you could just change it in one place in that constant declaration, rather than going and find it all. So, um, it's typically a, a good practice. It's and it's easier for those of you that are using IDEs and things like that. It's easier to find the you know the definition of that because you can click through um, and all that kind of stuff as well. So, it has the added bonus of of that readability. It's more verbose, yes, but it's much more flexible. But yeah, as you say, the the response codes like they're a known constant. They're not application specific things. So, you know, putting 401 in there or whatever isn't isn't the worst thing in the world. And I I'll typically do that just because I don't want to have to import and then it gets like clunky because you've got response colon colon HTTP underscore whatever or status underscore whatever it is. It is a little bit nice in the Symphony
1: request class though. You know, because like if there's there's possibility, like I know that we have a guy who is um, he's a junior and he doesn't know what, he probably wouldn't know what 401 was. If I asked him like, what is 401? he'd be like, I have no idea. But if you say, oh, it's unauthorized, he would know exactly what that was, of course. So cool. Yeah, we've been actually using a bunch of enums recently. Not enums in the database, but enums with basically just like the name and then a bunch of constants. So role, and then constant admin equals admin, and then role, constant, you know, editor equals editor, whatever. Just to kind of get rid of a bunch of those magic strings. So that's uh. That's been good. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about 5.8.25. So, quick side note here. uh, Since 5.8.25 was released, 5.8.26 was tagged really shortly after that with a revert. So, you actually should update to that, 5.8.26. But all the changes that we're going to talk about here were introduced in 5.8.25. But you're going to want to download .26. Hopefully, that makes sense. I think it does. Um, First thing on the top of the list is the ability to output the route list report in a JSON format. So typically you'd say PHP artisan route list and it would give you this console sort of table that you could then look at and uh, see all of your routes that are defined along with their name and their controller that they're going to and et cetera, et cetera, and their verb. But now you can do that with JSON. So all you have to do is you just have to append dash dash JSON onto the end and it will spit out a JSON list for you of all of your uh routes so the domain the method the uri the name the action the middleware etc mm-hmm. etc cetera, et cetera, all that stuff which is pretty cool
0: that's real yeah. handy if you're using those routes in some kind of javascript
1: front absolutely end. yep yep for sure the other thing that's pretty interesting here is uh you can assert all the view data by exposing the view gather data method as public so what we're talking about here is when you go to say return view and then you pass in the name of a view and then you say comma and then you provide the, the values you want to pass into the view either as an array or you could say arrow with and you could pass them that way. There's a couple different ways to pass it but that data that's getting passed into the view, if you wanted to test what that data was that was coming through, what you could do is you could say response equals in your tests, this get and then either a route or a path to some URI, then you'd say response on the next on the next line, response arrow original to grab the original response that you're getting, and then to arrow gather data, and then what you could do at that point is you could make assertions that and you know array has key, and you could grab that gather data method, uh, and you could assert that there was a value that was passed through for that data. So that's pretty interesting. I think I, I'm. I know for a fact that we're doing this in tests somewhere else, but we're doing it a different way. I think, you know, I think what we're doing is we're just looking at the output HTML or something like that. And then Mm -hmm. asserting that we see some data on the page instead of, yeah. Um, seeing that mm-hmm. we actually have a value in there. But that's a, that's interesting. There's one other item that was resolved by Dries uh, for passing column parameters on the paginate method. You can take a look at pull request 28937 for uh, details on that one. Uh, I'm not going to read through the pull request here, but know that it happened. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So we've got this. Uh, so we've got all a bunch of packages left here. So I'm just going to jump into the next one, which is talking about sending and receiving. Webhooks. Have you ever had to do this? You ever send and receive webhooks we around? Yeah, yeah, we did. We had a,
0: a long-standing project in one of our applications was to implement webhooks. And the week that we started... Building all of the functionality ourselves is the week that Spatie released a package to do
1: it for us. Da, da, da. <laughs> yeah, so there's actually two parts to this, which is the Laravel webhook server and the Laravel webhook client. So if you either need to provide webhooks to consumers of your application or if you need to consume them yourself, consider using these packages. So basically, they do exactly what you would say they what you would think they would do, right? So the webhook server allows you to configure and send webhooks in a Laravel application. Easily installed into the app that you want to notify other apps that something has happened, right? So a perfect example of this would be like if you were building a GitHub clone, right? And when somebody opened a pull request, you wanted to be able to send a web hook out to something that somebody was, you know, wanting to have a webhook sent to this would allow you to do that quite easily. The package has support for signing calls, for retrying calls, and for back-off strategies. These are all things that you'd want to have to consider or that you'd want to consider if you were building something that would be providing webhooks. And these are the things you don't really think about when you first start. You're like, oh yeah, I got this figured out, no big deal. And you're like, well, what if it fails? Okay. So we want to retry but yeah. how often we want to retry and how many times we want to try it. Do we want to wait in between times? Do we want it to be queued? Do we not all that stuff is answered for you and kind of done for you? Of course, the API is uh, very simple as well. Again, I'm not going to read it on here, but know that it is. Uh, you can go take a look at it. Nice and fluent. Yeah, it is absolutely fluent. Yep. You have the webhook client, which has support for verifying signed calls, storing payloads, and then processing the payloads in a queued job. So again... If you're building something that was listening for pull requests from GitHub and you wanted to be able to consume webhooks, that would be what this would be for, right? So you verify the signed call using a token that GitHub provides you initially when you set up the webhook. It stores the payload of the webhook and then you can basically dispatch it to a job that will process it. So, really good stuff. Of course, as always, super big fans of Spassi. feel free to use that package and send them a postcard. And thanks for. Writing that up, Mr. Paul Redmond, everyone's favorite human. I feel like I haven't said that for a
0: while. No. But speaking of everybody's favorite human, this next article on the Laravel Factory Helper Command, which is a package by Marcel Possiot, helps you generate Laravel test factories from your existing models. The command that ships with the package allows you to get started testing your application much much more quickly because it optimistically sets test data with Faker in the factories it creates as opposed to the empty factories that you get when you use Laravel's default make factory command. Moreover, it's also smart enough to understand model associations and generate necessary factory code for oh, that as well. my gosh. That's so nice. Right? Oh, it's so nice. So, given given a schema definition and a model with a relationship, so a schema for users and a model for that user or the users table as well with a company relationship, the package will produce a factory that handles all of this stuff for you. It seems like it's doing a bit of magic, in order to get this all together, because it's doing introspection into your schemas and into your models themselves to get to get the relationships out and things like that. And then building out factories. So it can be a tedious task, especially remembering all like the faker attributes totally. and yeah. uh, and functions and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, definitely check can... this package out if you're creating a lot of factories.
1: Yeah, anything that can give you a head start on factories is always so, like, because I feel like it's one of those items that you do the same thing every time, at least I do. So, like, the first thing I do is like, all right, I'm going to set up a new factory. I go look at my migration. I kind of like, I, I say, like, the open paren and the single quote i select that and then i command d command d command d command d so i just like multi-select and then command shift arrow over select all those fields and then just paste them over into my factory you know what i mean and then it's figuring Mm -hmm. out okay which faker thing do i need here go look up the documentation for which ones i have you know what i mean Mm -hmm. And i have to go look at like my model and say like okay what relationship like it's always the same thing every time so the fact that this is now pretty much just automated and done for you is a huge relief yeah very
0: nice yeah and if you, if you want a quick demo of how this package actually works and, and makes things a lot easier for you, check out Jmax video, which is linked up in the show notes as well, for some of the recent improvements that he made to the package, which have been merged in now. So definitely check that out and uh, check out the video as well from JMac.
1: Absolutely. Okay, we've got this one. I actually read through this before the show, but it's a Laravel blade helper that is uh, by Liam Hammett. It's a package by Liam Hammett. And what it does is it provides an easier way to define custom blade directives. So if you're not aware that you could do this, you can, and it's super powerful. Uh, So you know when you use the little at symbol in your Mm -hmm. blade? That's what you can do. You can basically create your own little at symbol blade thing that will inject some PHP for you at that location. So uh, when creating new custom blade directives using the blade colon colon directive method, which is what this uh, package provides, the only parameter made available to manipulate is the expression passed through from the blade.php file as a raw string. It seems to be rare that developers actually parse the contents of the expression itself within the directive. Instead, they pass the entire expression as arguments to a helper function or a method on another class. So since since this is the most common use case, the package attempts to make these helper functions easier without having to worry about all the boilerplate or returning the string or having to consider what an expression is when it's creating the directive. So the ReadMe has a bunch of really, really helpful examples that can kind of show you how you might use this. But if you find yourself creating these on a semi-regular basis, this should make the process easier for you and make the API a little bit simpler. So check that out if blade directives are something that you've been using and just looking for a little bit nicer way to do it. Or uh, if you're just looking to learn about them. Yeah. Thanks, Paul, for writing that up. All right. Paul's been working hard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He's got like, yeah, he's got a bunch of them up here. All right. So how do you pronounce this? This package is Eloquent UUID, right? Which, how would you pronounce that?
0: (laughs) UUID? Is
1: this a trick question? Nope. Not a trick question. I was curious if you had a shorter way to say that. Okay. Now, ready for this one? G-U-I-D. Yeah. How do you pronounce that? G-U-I-D. You don't ever say anything other than that? You don't, Do you ever call no? it a, do you ever treat it as like a word instead of like, because if you're being honest, right, G-U-I-D is a little bit annoying to say, because it's what, four syllables? Yeah. And wouldn't no. it be nice if you could make it like a single syllable? Like, you know, it, like you clap your hands, G-U-I-D. Yeah. It would be easier what if, if it What is your single like, syllable for, for you? How would you say it if you what were going you to read we- it? How would you say it if you were going to read G U I D? What would you say?
0: If I was going to read it, probably G U I D. It's not much better. <laughs> it's not much
1: better. Just just say G U I D. <laughs> okay, so I've heard two different. I've heard two different pronunciations of it, uh, which would be G U I D, or yeah, G U I D,
0: G U I D. No, that's a no from me. Flat out no.
1: Would you so you you're you're in camp G <laughs> U I D your square lane
0: camp doing I mean I mean I'm I'm going back to my original answer what GUID.
1: GUID So here's the deal is there a difference between a UUID and a GUID Yes What I don't know I don't think there is But there is I a think- difference There is and No <laughs> G is for globally, U is for universally. I mean, what's the difference here? I That's don't, right. There's no well, way there's...
0: global global is only unique to the planet, but universally unique is universal.
1: Nah, I don't. I don't know if I buy it. I think the two things that mean the same thing. Two two. I think GUID
0: is Microsoft's implementation of a UUID. Is that, see. There's, there's basically no difference. There's no
1: difference. Yeah. So basically, what it says is a, a GUID is a UID. <laughs> But not necessarily vice versa. So Uid might not be a guid. Guid. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I've I've. Anytime we're talking about it, like in my team, instead of saying UUID, I always just call it a guid. Get out. It's easier. That's because
0: you're a Microsoft shop. No. No, we're not. Never say that to me again. All
1: right. I never want to hear you say guid again. Guid. This is an eloquent guid helper. It's not. And Matt and in and a. Inamdara is going to be so happy that Eloquent GUID is is now a thing.
0: Eloquent UUID is a simple drop-in solution for providing version 4 UUID support for the IDs of your Eloquent models. To use this package, your model needs to extend from the model class provided by the package, which also provides a model that satisfies the authenticatable interface for the user model. And then when you create a model, a UUID will automatically be generated as the primary key. You can also specify your own UUID if you need to know what that is ahead of time. So if you're pre-generating the UUID and then creating the model with it, you can do that as well. So this this is a little bit different pack- to a package that I wrote a couple of years ago, where it's actually using the UUID as the primary key, which depending on the size of your application in your database and, and things like that, can can actually be a little bit more inefficient but there are certainly use cases for it.
1: You're saying in your app or in the package that you wrote, you had a separate column for a UUID and this one actually treats it as the primary. Yep. Okay, got it. Okay. And so you're just saying it could be a little bit less efficient to actually do it that way.
0: Yeah, there's a really good article by Picona who do a lot of stuff with optimization and they do a lot of, like they do contracted support and things like that for MySQL. Okay. So they've got this article out there that talks about The benefits of using a UUID as a primary key versus an incrementing integer as a primary key versus using a combination of the two and how those scale to different sizes. So typically I will use the order incrementing ID as the primary and then just have a UUID as another index column because for your public stuff for example in your URLs and things like that you would want to show the UUID But internally and for all your relationships, I would still use the ID because the integer matching on foreign keys would be quicker than trying to do a match on the UUID string.
1: Got it. Yeah. No, we should link that up in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next, we've got composite validation rules. So... What this is, I'll just read part of it and then we'll give you an example here. So uh, the validation composite is a package by Paul Klimov that allows unit, I was gonna say unit testing. It's not unit testing. That allows uniting several validation rules into a single one for easy reuse. So for example, let's say that you have a password requirement, a set of password requirements, right? So it must be a string. It must be a minimum of eight characters It must be a maximum of 200 characters. And if you are one of those places, you say it must also contain an uppercase character. It must also contain contain a number, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But we're going to say just these three three rules. String, minimum of eight, maximum of 200. Well, it's possible that you're going to be using that validation rule in a couple different places. And instead of having to write that each time, string, min 8, max 200, what you can do is you can kind of join those all together into a new rule. So you could say class password rule extends composite rule. And the composite rule is the package here. Uh, And then you can just provide that, those three things that you would normally have. Then what you can do is inside of uh, your validator, you can just pass new password rule as a new rule for your validator, and it will just pick up those three values or those three validators and inject all three of those essentially. So that's pretty interesting. They have another example which is like an avatar rule. So you could say it must be a file, it must be a PNG, a JPEG, or a JPG. It has to be a max of one thousand twenty-four KB, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's kind of interesting. It's an interesting idea. When I first read through this or was first looking at this, I was like, oh, I, I actually read that word uniting several validation rules into unit, like unit testing several validation rules. <laughs> and I think we need to get TJ on here to um, to talk about how he tests his validators with request forms or form mm-hmm. requests. It's pretty cool, actually. He needs to write it up. Because I've, I've looked at that, and it's uh, the way that he does it is really cool, really helpful. Nice. Um, has, he, has he got an article for or is this something that you've spoken no, to about? No, he just kind of has a gist out there. I think he sent it through in a, in a Telegram message recent. No, nah, not recently. Probably a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's a really clever way to do that. And so I shared it in our Team Slack channel, and we started doing that in a couple of projects. Anytime you have like complex validation rules, it's nice to not have to set up the whole world like to do a to do a check on the validator right so yeah. if you have a complex uh, validation and it's just contained inside a form request object you had a pretty clever way of just being able to do that really quickly nice without having to do a whole like okay attach the validator to a route which is inside of a con- you know which points to a controller which has the validator inside of the controller it's just hey new up the form request object and then inject the request and check your check your validators yeah cool all right look forward in to other,
0: in, digging into that
1: in other news there was a like the organization or something that basically set the sets the standards for i don't know i can't remember this it it's like some i think it's some government organization or something basically they did a study and concluded that actually requiring people to change passwords on a more regular basis mm-hmm. basis is not actually more secure yeah, yeah.
0: Our uh, our chief of security said the same thing. Like, we don't have a password policy because it actually leads to people doing dumb things. Like, when you have to change your password every thirty days, do you know what you do? You just add one to the value of the previous yep. password. Yep. Um. I mean, obviously, in our business, we're a technology centric. You know, most of the people are fairly confident, competent. So we're mostly using password managers of some description. But yeah. Leaving it left to their own devices, the general population who aren't using password managers are just going to start tacking, incrementing a number at the end of their password to, to suit complexity totally. requirements and, and, you know, refreshing them every 90 days or whatever it is.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, actually, this next package is kind of what, what prompted me to think about uh, TJ's method of testing stuff. But you can talk about this. Uh, assertion library for PHP. The assertion
0: library for PHP is a composer package by Benjamin Eberly, which serves as a thin assertion library for input validation in business models. The idea here is to reduce the amount of code of implementing assertions in your model and also simplify the code paths to implement those assertions. When your assertions fail, an exception is thrown and it removes the necessity for if clauses in your code. So I guess this is, yeah, using assertions in your like in your actual code. So PHP provides an assert function and it will essentially just bail out like if the assertion doesn't, like it's not truthy. So this package has many assertions including an all helper which checks all provided values against a given assertion. So you can say assertion is instance of and then you can say like this value is an instance of this class or you could say assertion all is instance of and then you would pass an array of values and compare it against you know that class so you could say given this array of objects make sure they're all of this type so they're all of type standard class kind of like user land generics if i understand generics properly basically have a collection of a collection of a specific type of thing and you want them all you want to make sure they're all the same thing so using this thing is to basically put the assertions into your code and then say like verify this happens and that way you don't have to have like if checks and things like that you could just say assert this is true and then if it doesn't it'll bail out of that processing so one thing to note is that assertions will throw an exception if the assertion fails that's potentially avoiding con- conditionals in your code as i just said so if you need low level code assertions the library is packed full of useful assertion methods and strategies like lazy assertions where you may want to collect multiple errors at once instead of failing on the first assertion so you could say that like the input is a string and it's not empty and you know it's an array of this and then say okay verify now so it seems like a pretty comprehensive package it's an interesting way of you know verifying things in you know your business logic rather than whole bunch of conditionals or form request validation and things like that so definitely check out the readme for a full list of the available assertions and to learn more about how you can use the library in your project
1: i think some of this is interesting so the first example they give, which is like they say function duplicate file which has an argument of file and then argument of items well they wanted to check that the first parameter passed in is in fact a file and the second parameter is in fact a digit right so what you maybe do with that is you would In PHP, you'd say, uh, or let's say the first one is an array or something like that. I suppose you could type hint it if you wanted to. Or you could say, if uh, not is array, then you can bail and say, throw invalid argument exception. Or you could say, if not is array or not um, numeric or something like that, whatever. I don't know how you'd do that exactly. But Mm -hmm. you'd have to do that conditional code and then throw an exception, right? So with this, it almost feels like that abort and less sort of deal. But assertion makes... I think makes it feel better. Assertion mm-hmm. file, you know, assertion colon colon file, then you pass in the file. Assertion colon colon digit, and then you pass in the parameter or the variable to, and it makes sure that it's a digit. And if it doesn't, it just fails. So yeah, that's uh, interesting. Interesting. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Thanks, Benjamin. Mm, help me out. really Eberly. Thanks, Benjamin Eberly. Okay we have Laravel redirects. So Laravel redirects is a package by Andrea Badia, Badia that allows you to create simple or multiple nested redirects for your Laravel application. So the package can be useful from an SEO perspective when in your application you might have URLs that have the potential of being modified. So the package uses middleware to detect routes and then possibly redirect users based on database results on the redirects table. So you can create a redirect with the following call to the configured redirect model. So you actually have a model called redirect, whatever. Then you create it by saying old URL and then new URL, right? Uh, And then you can say new URL back to your old URL. And then you can set which type of redirect you want. It could be a 301 or a 302, depending on if it's a temporary or permanent. So then what it will do is you just throw this little thing into your I think no I was going to say throw it in your routes file I don't think you do I think it's just a middleware what it does then is it inspects the request looks at the URL string checks your database to see if it in fact matches any of your redirects that you've set up and if it does then it will redirect them over to the URL that you've specified so that's pretty interesting i can see that being really useful for a couple of different types so you've ever had one of those things where you you're migrating from an old website to a new website and it's like an HT access file or that's what it used to be in the old days. Right. And, um, you're, (laughs) you're like, all right, are we sure this is all of them? Yep. This is all of them. This is all the things we ever had out there. And then next week it's like, Oh, we forgot about this one. Can you add that in there real quick? So you got to go, I don't know, FTP to the server. Cause that's the only way you can get to like the HT access file. Right. I don't think it's in version control or anything. Maybe it is. I don't know. But with this, you can literally just say, you know what, just go into Nova, add a new redirect field or yeah. run a new, re, new redirect and point it to where you want. And then you're done. That's it. So yeah. the redirects are no longer handled in the like server layer, like the Nginx layer or the Apache layer, but it's now handled in your application, in the database level yeah. and um, in your domain. So yeah, kind of cool. Very cool. cool, very cool. Yeah. Cool. I think that is all of the things. That is. That is all of the things today. Do we have any funny stories? Anything fun to talk? Anything? Any good jokes?
0: Nah no i've got nothing
1: um what do you what do you call it what is it called when a cat wins a dog show
0: i mean a cat wins a dog show don't know
1: a cat has trophy <clears throat> a cat has trophy
0: a wow cat has trophy
1: that's good wow there you're go. on
0: the wrong podcast for this <laughs> <laughs> Look, oh, Dad! I give you the advice. I give you. I give you some advice. Don't give up Let's your day it. job.
1: <laughs> There's a lady at my work who writes a new joke every uh, every day on this whiteboard, and so every day I go by, and it's always a dad joke. Just like it's <laughs> the worst dad jokes you've ever heard in your life. I mean, just so nice. cringeworthy, but they're great. They're great. Nice. I come home and tell my kids, and they're just like, Dad, yeah, stop, please stop, <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone, well, thank you so much for listening to episode 86, and thanks for sticking with us, even through the dad jokes and even through the weird personal stories about burning our feet off with power washers and leg days and <laughs> knee rehab and all that fun stuff. If you like the episode, feel free to rate us up in iTunes or your podcast of choice, or just share it with some of your friends. That'd be great as well. If you uh, have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, and you can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 86 it's twelve twenty-three, my friend i am hitting the hay i am Get going to bed sleep. i'm leaving oh here's one other thing no it doesn't matter nobody cares okay <laughs> never mind good night everyone see you all in two weeks later bye